0: If you have your Bible today, I ask you to take it and hold it in front of you as I read this. I trust it will be your testimony. Feelings come and feelings go, and feelings are deceiving. My anchor is the Word of God. Nothing else is worth believing. Though all my heart should feel condemned for one of some sweet token, There is one greater than my heart whose word cannot be broken. I will trust in God's unchanging word until soul and body sever. For though all things shall pass away, his word will stand forever. This is a treasure. We take it and open it today to John chapter 21. If you had turned to John 21 with me, our text is verse 15 through verse 22. This is the last story that John shares. The end of this chapter, the Apostle John says books cannot contain all the things that the Lord Jesus Christ did on this earth. So we land on this story today the last story that the Apostle John gives to us. And it's just a treasure. I've come to love John chapter 21. It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Mitch covered last week the beginning of this text, uh, the third appearance of Christ to the seven disciples. He met with them, he talked with them, he fed them, he served them. And as a group, Jesus is ministering to these disciples for the third time after the resurrection. And he's ministering to them corporately. But our text today, verse 15 through verse 22, Jesus turns to one individual. And he goes through the process of restoration. These verses are all about Peter and his Lord Jesus Christ. Restoration is a growth process. Jesus is taking Peter from one point to the next point. It's a matter of growth, of restoring him to usefulness. For what do we know but Peter, the last time we saw him, was denying his Lord three times before the cock crew. And Jesus is taking him from that point to a process of growth and restoration. He does it in your life. You're walking with the Lord and all of a sudden you realize, you know, I'm just not where I should be with my Lord. And there's a restoration process that has to take place. And I trust that today this will be a help to you in that process, but also that you can help others in restoring them to their walk with the Lord. John chapter 21, verse 15 through 22. Let's read it together. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. Peter turned, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who had been reclining at table close to him, and said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come. What is that to you? You follow me. Let's bow in prayer. Lord, You're a gracious God. Many times we fail You. You're always compassionate, loving, willing to have Your arms open and to embrace us and to grow us. I pray that You would take this text today Teach us, Lord, about Yourself. Help us to be like Jesus. and May we be servants and usable vessels in the restoration process. We ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. You know, Peter was a disciple that denied his Lord three times. And Christ in our text is restoring Peter to ministry. Peter's discouraged from his denial. He doesn't know what's going on. And before Christ's death, the disciples would walk with Him every single day. They were with Jesus 24-7. Now, after the resurrection, days pass, and the disciples had seen Him twice. Two times. That's a change of lifestyle. They walked with Him every day, and now, where is He? Where is the Lord? And Peter, I believe, is discouraged. Lord, what do we do? Go back to the beginning of the chapter. And this, After this, Jesus revealed Himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. He revealed Himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathanael of Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, two others of the disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. What did that mean? I'm going back to the occupation I know. Where's the Lord? We, we were with Him every day. And now, we don't know where He is. And Mitch walked us through that scene last week where Christ builds the fire on the, on the seashore. He says, throw the net on the other side and they gain so many fish, they can't even pull them in. And they have a plethora of fish. But it worked the way Christ had taught them, throw it on the other side, not the way their own occupation had taught them. We learned several things from that. When fellowship is broken with the Lord, He knows what you need and how to, dis- how to restore you. The disciples had two false premises before we go into today. The disciples and Peter think they can resolve their discouragement on their own. They say, I'm going fishing. Back to what they knew. You never will please the Lord when you're heading back to what was your way. Secondly, Peter and the other disciples think they can find satisfaction in thrusting themselves into their work to find fulfillment. Well what scripture tell us that night they caught nothing they did it their way and your way will never resolve discouragement you cannot resolve it on your own you must you tend to look inward to find your way through discouragement when the only answer is to look upward So we learn from Christ's handling of Peter on how we can help someone to get back in step with the Lord, or for us personally. We have to take the necessary steps of restoration. I want you to understand today that restoration is different from forgiveness. The two are completely different. I believe Peter had the Lord's forgiveness. I base that on 1 Corinthians 15. If you want to turn there or it's on the screen, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. This is the proof text of the resurrection. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance to the Scripture, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, for I am the least of the apostles. Who's mentioned first in that text? Who did Christ appear to first? Not first. He appeared first to Cephas. Who is Cephas? Peter. Now can you imagine what that must have been like? There's a reason Peter is listed first. Christ arose. Who's he had for first? The disciple who denied him. That's a compassionate, Lord. Now, we don't have record of what was said at that time. But I can only imagine if you would imagine with me. There's Peter, and out of nowhere, his Lord appears with the nail-scarred hands. And there's with no doubt, Peter falls on his knees and says, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. And I believe forgiveness took place there. Oh Lord, forgive me for my denials. But the Lord's not done with them yet. Because He has to restore Him to ministry, to usefulness. So I want you to see first of all, verse 9-12, through 12, Jesus takes you back. He takes you back. I want you to see the significance of the story that Mitch covered last week. Look at verse 9. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. And they hauled the fish in. In verse 12, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. There's an incredible thought here. For... Two places in the book of John, we see this word charcoal. There's only two places in all of the New Testament this Greek word is used of charcoal. One is right here. Jesus has a charcoal fire going, has fish on it for their breakfast. Do you know where the other one is? John chapter 18 Verse 18 and 25 to 27, John, Peter is standing beside the fire, warming himself, while Jesus is in on trial. And it's where Peter denies his Lord. This charcoal fire. Only two places in Scripture this word is used. What is Jesus doing with Peter? He's taking him back to the very thing, the very scene, where Peter denied his Lord. It's an incredible teaching moment. For it occurs within two to three of his senses. He sees a fire. And what else happens at a charcoal fire? He smells the fire. And a rush of memories had to come back to Peter. And Jesus is taking Peter back to the very sight, the very smell of the time that he denied him. And it's an incredible lesson for us. The lesson here is when you fail the Lord in previous days, or when you have failed Him, Jesus wants to take you back to that spot, that time, that place, that smell, that sight, whatever is necessary to free you from that time of failure and make it a time of joy and satisfaction. Jesus is wiping out that previous thought and smell. And now is making it something of fruitfulness and joy. You see, when you get out of the will of God, you must go back to where you got out of the will of God and re-enter the will of God where you left it. For some of you, you used to read your Bible. Get up early, read your Bible first thing in the morning. That's fallen aside. Some of you, it may be giving. You used to give to the Lord. You need to go back in this restoration process when fellowship is broken and you get back into God's will where you got out of it. The process is easy. There's confession. There's restoration. And then there's usefulness. And you see, the Lord is getting Peter ready for usefulness. Pentecost is right around the corner. Who's leading the charge? Peter. In that pattern, you confess your sin you get restored back to fellowship and back into his will. And then you're useful for him. You're an instrument of his. Secondly, Jesus reminds you of the mission. Verse 15 to 19, these five verses that we read. Jesus asks the same question and in response gets Peter refocused on the mission. Jesus asked Peter, do you love me more than these? I believe these can only represent one of two things. I don't have time to develop that today, but I personally believe it's the fish. Because Peter said, I'm going fishing. And he's asking Peter, are you going to follow my mission? Or are you going to pursue your own occupation? Your own kingdom, your own mission. Remember Matthew chapter 4, verse 19? Peter and his brother Andrew are walking by the sea, and Jesus calls out to them at the beginning of the three years of public ministry, and He says to Peter and to Andrew, follow Me, and I will make you fishers of men. Fishers of men. And I think Peter's looking at that fishing occupation... Just pulled in 150 fish, that's a pretty good day of fishing. It's lucrative. And Jesus is saying, do you love me more than that, more than these? What's the mission Jesus had for them? Follow him. And he keeps repeating to Peter, tend my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Who are the sheep? The ones that Peter is to be on mission for, fishers of men. Those to whom will respond to the Gospel, to the good news. And Jesus says, do you love Me more than these? Peter's mission was to share the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the mission that He has for you. To be part of his kingdom. To build his kingdom here on earth. You may be building your kingdom rather than building the kingdom of God. And Jesus says, do you love me more than these? Are you going to go fishing? Or are you going to be a fisher of men? And Jesus is refocusing Peter to the mission that the Lord had him to do. What is that mission for you today? It doesn't mean to leave your occupation, but it means that you are to be a light of Jesus Christ in your occupation. To shine Christ. To let others know of Him. To be pointing others to Jesus Christ. In all that you do. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. The glory of God, the word glory there means to give a right opinion of God. When I was in Connecticut at church, I was passionate about reaching into the community. The way I could do that was by coaching baseball in their Babe Ruth League. And my whole mission and passion in coaching baseball was that. I can show... These kids and parents, the right opinion of God as I coach. You might be the best dentist, you might be the best uh, Batiste, Batista, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one who serves coffee. <laughs> I don't care what your occupation is, what you do. You as a neighbor are to give the right opinion of God in whatever you do. Are you on mission? Jesus is restoring Peter from the occupation back to the mission of fishers of men. Once you see a third thing, Jesus lovingly challenges you in the process. These same five verses, 15 to 19. Jesus, as Peter, focused on the depth of his calling. And you can't catch all this in the English version that we have. But in the question asked three times, Jesus in the first two times uses the Greek word agape. You know what agape is. It's the unconditional love. It's the love God has for us. There are no conditions whatsoever on it. It's the the love that you have in a marriage relationship. I will do what's best for you no matter what, no matter anything. That's agape love. I will sacrifice. It doesn't make any difference. If nothing comes back in return, it's unconditional. No conditions are on it. And Jesus says, Peter, do you agape, do you unconditionally love me? Peter's response both times is, Lord, you know I phileo you. I love you as a brother. Phileo is where our term Philadelphia comes from, brotherly love. It's a step down from the agape love. And Peter's response is, Lord, I love you as a brother. And Jesus asks him again, Peter, do you unconditionally love me? And Peter responds, I love you as a brother. The third time, when Peter is grieved, Jesus changes his word and uses the word phileo. Peter, do you love me as a brother? And Peter says, Lord, you know I love you as a brother. And we can blast Peter for that. But I see it as the Lord showing and being compassionate to his Disciple to his child. Saying, Peter, I want to get you to that point. You're going to love me unconditionally. You will serve me unconditionally. And Peter's in this process of Christ bringing him back to restoration. Jesus didn't hit him over the head. He didn't gripe and complain at Peter. Jesus... Made the adjustment for his child. That's amazing. He loves you so much, he'll meet you where you're at. And he made the adjustment for him. What a patient, loving, compassionate Lord we have. He knows how to bring us back. He knows how to love us unconditionally. And his purpose is to get you back on course, on mission, for what he has for you to do. To glorify him. To give the right opinion of God to your family members, your neighbors, your co workers. Now, verse 18 is so great. Look at verse 18. Truly, truly, this is words of Jesus. I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Christ's omniscience is amazing and special. Jesus tells Peter, you know, You might right now say you brotherly love me, love me as a brother, phileo. But I'm telling you there's coming a day where it will be agape love, unconditional love. And what's verse 18 mean? When you're young, you dress yourself. Peter, there's coming a time when you're going to give your life for me. Unconditional love. Because you're going to die a death of crucifixion just like I did for you. What a moment. What a moment. Peter in this unrestored position at the present moment. And the Lord Jesus says, Peter, You're going to stretch out. They're going to stretch out your arms. You're going to die for me. You will love me that much. You will be on mission for me. What an awesome truth. And the Lord just tenderly says, I'm getting you back. I'm bringing you along. And I remind you, in just a few days, Peter's the one preaching at Pentecost, and 3,000 souls are saved and brought to the Lord. Oh, what a Lord, Savior, compassionate God we have. I want you to see the last thing, verse 20 to 22. This is where we are just like Peter. After going through all of that, what we just covered, Jesus is bringing him along in this restoration process, and Peter makes a statement that's so common to you and to me. As having been confronted, Peter and Jesus see John walking along following them in verse 21. Peter's response is, Lord, You put me through the ringer. And Peter says, What about this man? What about him? What about John? Isn't that just exactly what we do? We're walking along with the Lord. He's working on us. He's convicting us. He's restoring us. He's making us more like Christ. And we look yeah, but, but do you see them, Lord? And how sad. We put such value on others and what they're doing when the Lord says, Peter, I'm interested in you. You follow me. Now, Christ's response to Peter pointing the finger to John is priceless. You need to type this out, print it out, put it on your mirror in the bathroom, put it in the car, and memorize what Christ says to Peter. Look at verse 22. Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come, here it is, what is that to you? It's like, so what? Who cares? Peter, Peter, I want you. I want you. It doesn't matter what the Lord's doing in other people's lives. What may it may appear like in other people's lives. Peter, attention. What is that to you? So what? And the Lord's doing the same thing to you. He wants you. He wants you on mission. He wants you focused. He wants your unconditional love. What about them? What is that to you? Doesn't matter. It's your heart To God's heart. It's God's heart to your heart. You, he says, what is that to you? You follow me. The end of verse 22. You follow me. So the progression is verse 3 Peter says, I'm going fishing. To verse 19, Jesus says, follow me. To verse 22, you follow me. And Jesus gets Peter back on track and on mission. And in just a few days, he's going to lead the charge at Pentecost. You know, I don't know where you are in your life today. But I do know this. He's interested in you. And nothing else matters. He wants your heart. And we can put all the excuses up we want. And Christ says, what is that to you? The next time you're broken, feeling discouraged, Useless, you need to remember, Noah was a drunk, Abraham was too old, Isaac was a daydreamer, Jacob was a liar, Leah was ugly, Joseph was abused, Moses had a stuttering problem, Gideon was afraid, Samson was a womanizer, Rahab was a prostitute, Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David had an affair and was a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. John the Baptist ate bugs. Peter denied Christ three times. The disciples fell asleep while Christ prayed. Martha worried about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once in living with a guy. Zacchaeus was too small, and Paul was too religious. Now, you line up, and you're in good company. (laughs) No matter what you're facing, where where you fell off at, you need to get back. Smell that charcoal again. Whatever it is your bible reading, your prayer, your giving, your witnessing. Your focus on the Lord. You're not alone. But he does look once you. You follow me. You recommit yourself. You be committed. Be what he wants you to be. And don't think it's it's too hard. You have a body to help you, to walk with you. You just need to take that step, whether it's a confession, or it's just walking alongside of somebody, or a decision of being unconditional love. Whatever it is, the Spirit of God speaks to your heart. But you need to get right with Him if you're not today. If you don't know Him as your personal Savior, then that's the first step. There's confession of sin. Lord, forgive me. I need You. You died for my sin. I receive You as my Lord. He takes us back. He reminds us of the mission. He lovingly challenges us in the process. He rebukes all your excuses. You can't say, what about them? No, He wants you. He's interested in your your heart. Let's bow in prayer. I don't know if the Lord has spoken to you today or not, but I encourage you, right there at your seat, you can confess it You can get things right. You may need to come down front here and pray. Jerome's in the back. You can pray there. Mitch and I will be up front. We will pray with you. But I don't know where you're at. You might need the Lord Jesus as your Savior. It may be something you have to go back to. Something you've stopped doing. But he wants to restore you to that sweet fellowship. May you do what he's asking you to do today. As the band plays, we invite you to pray with somebody, to come forward, meet Jerome in the back for prayer. But get it right. Get back in that sweet fellowship if it's been broken. You'll be so glad you did as we enter this Advent season. Our Lord, we love you today. We thank you for your goodness. Speak to hearts by your Spirit. Restore us to that sweet fellowship with you. Keep us on mission. May we not look at others, but look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher. We ask this in the name of Christ. Let's stand together. I encourage you, if you need prayer, to come and seek it.